you for joining us for episode 60. It's the big six zero and we're thrilled to bring it to you in the end of January. Uh, we're going to go over some new gear launches. So we'll specifically Revit just launched their spring line for men and women. So there's a couple of fun things coming out there. We have a couple of news stories with women making news in the world of motorcycle racing. I think that's always really great to keep up on. And what else? We're going to cover... I don't know. What else are we going to cover? Guy Martin in India. Yeah. We got a little news about Guy Martin and what he's doing um, in other parts of the world. And can we talk about your where you're going to be? The press thing? Sure. Yeah. So we'll cover what next event Christy will be covering um, as a formal press person. And I don't know what else we're going to cover. So I guess we'll go from um, there. We'll, we'll undig something as we go along. Okay. <laughs> no. I'm sure. So there let's see. We have a couple stories. You sent me a link. Um and I sent you a link too that I just found as well. Oh? Yeah, I sent you a link about it's a British superbike. Um so not necessarily US racing. Oh yeah, yeah. But British racing and there's a uh, lovely woman named Jenny Tinmouth who's going to ride for the factory Honda team in the twenty fifteen British Superbike racing championship so it's huge it's always amazing when women are joining um, either world superbike or world superstock or any of the big um you know kind of international racing arenas i think that's always cool she's going to be racing against um james rispoli oh took me a minute is he is he racing in british superbike he his first year was last year his first season exciting and so cool yeah so the rocket We'll be back with uh, with Monster Energy and uh, on traction control, team traction control. Uh-huh. Keith Flint. Uh-huh. I just uncovered actually um, a couple of recalls. Oh, surprise! Uh-huh. There's that story we talked about <laughs> digging up somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, Aprilia has a couple of recalls for the Shiver and the Capinord 1200, mm-hmm. and uh, basically it's. Uh, only 337 units, which doesn't sound like a lot, and it involves output gear shaft. So improper machining, cause a fastening screw on the sprocket to loosen and potentially lock up the rear wheel. So starting last month, Piaggio should be notifying customers with the recalled bikes. If you haven't heard from Piaggio, you might want to contact your dealer, your Aprilia dealer, as well as as the Polaris Slingshot. So there is a stop sale and stop ride slash drive issued for that. Um, Step away from your slingshot. Yeah, similar to the preemptive BMW, what was it, the K1200? One of the the larger displacement sport tours Mm -hmm. uh, for BMW had that, like, right in the middle of the press evaluation. They sent the flatbeds to pick up the (gasps) the bikes from the actual um, media houses. (laughs) Oops. It's a special recall that it advises all slingshot owners to stop riding them until the issues are resolved. Mm. The first issue involves ball bearings on the steering rack, which have been deemed faulty. 
as well as the roll hoops over the driver and passenger seats. So I do believe that the roll hoop part's pretty uh, critical, especially since you have an open cockpit, and that's pretty much the only thing that's preventing it from um, in a crash and a roll going flat. So some of those hoops are not up to performance specs provided by Polaris and manufactured by their sub. So uh, both issues will be fixed for free, of course, and uh, dealers should be starting to receive replacement parts uh, about a week ago. So if you have a Polaris slingshot, please call your dealer. Do not drive it. Woohoo. That sucks. Well, if you have one, I hope your issues get resolved quickly so you can get out there and slingshot in your slingshot. <laughs> Especially if you're in California because the weather is so nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, the other story, let's see. Oh, yeah, there was that other story on BuzzFeed about just another. I mean, there are a lot of, actually, I think there are a lot of women who race in, specifically in California and in all the different classes, you know, AMA, WIRA. Um, we just don't hear about them. Like, they're they're there, we're there, we're racing, but nobody really talks about them, and you don't see, you know, you don't see that making front page news. So I think it's always cool when certainly um, more prominent uh, popular media what where am I looking for? Just kind of mainstream media mentions it and um the BuzzFeed did a of a nice little featurette on um Christina Kubrin. Do you know her? Have you met her? Uh you know, I wanna say I have not met her in person. Mm -hmm. We're uh friendly on Twitter and oh. I've taken photos of her at uh AAA Speedway when the Ulrichs did that uh kind of a fill in mm -hmm. race for the fact that AMA did not have an official event in California last mm. year. So I kept looking at these shots going, wow, hey, well, check it out. There's a chick on that bike. And mm -hmm. uh, took a couple shots of her. And she was like, hey, that's me. She followed me on Twitter. So there you oh, go. Very nice. So she's somewhere in the SoCal universe. Yes. Yeah, she is. And uh, she's a, a mechanical engineer that loves to race. Cool. Has a gigantic Great Dane that is her pit crew. It's always awesome to represent female racers, let alone motorcyclists, and uh, send a good example for all of the little girls. Possibly be successful and smart and racing know, motorcycles. Right? That mm, just doesn't happen. That doesn't exist. It's this like a unicorn. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't happen. You know, good for her. That's cool. Nice to have some attention. And I'm surprised they didn't actually feature some of the more mainstream um, racers like Elena and Shalina, because they get a lot of attention in media. So maybe they decided, hey, here's someone no one's ever really seen or heard about, and let's write a little story about her. That's pretty cool. It's always fun. Yeah, I always, um, I've heard a story, and I'll try to remember through the course of the podcast. Maybe I could contribute it at the end. Mm -hmm. But uh, something that they had said about her with her, she has long blonde uh, mm -hmm. pigtails mm -hmm. that she wears. Yeah. And people will see them. The guys will see these these pigtails, mm -hmm. like, flapping in the wind as she's passing them and get really irritated because all he sees, you know, you're fixated on whatever's in front of you, right? Because you don't have mirrors when you're racing. Yeah. And so they see these uh, teasing ponytails, like, ugh. Emails that I got. Okay. Talk like about Guy Martin, who is one yeah. of the UK's Probably most recognizable racers. Kind of looks a little bit like Wolverine. 
<laughs> with the long chops. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he's also a bit of a, a bit of a celebrity. I think that's something that really helps is having a personality mm -hmm. and being, I don't know, like I think it's something that we lack a lot here is that a lot of, a lot of racers, some of them try to connect on social media, but mm -hmm. really it's like, I think that by putting yourself out there in the public spotlight, you tend to garner a little bit more media and more media is good because people identify with other people that they have things in common with, apart mm -hmm. from the fact that you're like this motorcycle racer on a pedestal. So I think that some of these guys in the UK and, and some of the GP guys tend to do a really good job with getting out there. And I think that's something we've talked about before with um, people in the motorcycle industry kind of, you know, stepping off the industry pedestal for a second and just being more of the familiar guy around town to kind of, I don't know, maybe a, a different technique to try to get more people interested in motorcycling. I can't. Yeah, it's good to have a face to motorcycling or to a sport or an activity like Tiger Woods, you know, you think of golf and then you want to, you know, you want to watch it because you think he's cool or whoever, you know, Venus in tennis, you're like, wow, Venus is really neat. I want to see her. And then hopefully it gets you interested in the sport. And I feel like to have people like Guy and Hayden, yeah. you know, it's really, but nice I mean, if you that. just, just showing up, just kicking ass and just going home yeah. is great. But it's not going to get more people involved in the sport and potentially not getting more people to follow you. Yep. So you kind of have to go a little bit beyond and kind of figure out how to how to make yourself a little bit more visible. But anyway, so Guy Martin um, actually did Pike's Peak on an unusual bike last year. And uh, he was here in the States for a little bit. Mm -hmm. But uh, he films a show. He used to be a, a front man on a show called Speed. And he filmed something called Our Guy in India, which is a two-part mm -hmm. documentary, which I guess begins today in the UK. Mm. And uh, he did a thousand-mile motorcycle trip. And uh, he also did a race outside of Goa with 1,200 competitors. Mm. Um, which I guess, you know, since this isn't going to great detail, if, if anyone can find this on the internet, <laughs> we'll try to watch it. Oh, but, uh, good torrent. Pretty much only our BitTorrent doesn't exist anymore. That's a thing. Oh, it's bad. Um, but no, it's there. It's it's there. Okay. Okay. We'll talk yeah. about that later. Yeah. It's still there. <laughs> but, but yeah. So our guy in India. Um, thousand mile motorcycle trip. He spent just in a terrible time in Delhi traffic going about three miles an hour. Mm -hmm. And uh, what, also what was he riding? What bike was he on? Royal Enfield, of course. Of course. No, um, yeah, not the funnest in traffic. He he claims that uh, he was in Delhi traffic, and then he spent 12 hours waiting for a rail station, which, you know, is not surprising. Um, and for a 1,000 miles, he rode on a Royal Enfield out of, uh, of India, of course. And <laughs> there... Uh, he was complaining about how he, he he lost the horn. Like, the horn just broke after one day of using it. And I can tell you that I use the horn a lot. And I don't know, was he, like, how old of a bike was he on? <laughs> it doesn't say if he was on, like, the fuel-injected, more recent variety. But um, anyway, uh, he said, well, I wouldn't say I fell in love with the Enfield, but it's the ideal motorbike for the job. It's dead reliable. It's a big, cumbersome thing, but it's bulletproof, and it doesn't give any bother, which 
you know, is actually quite accurate as far as the Enfield. It does, you know, you put it through its paces in the most awkward of situations that you wouldn't imagine that kind of motorcycle to be in, like water crossings, for example. And it just toughs it out just totally fine. Um, and uh, he goes on to talk about how it was riding in, in Delhi and in India and some of his experiences, which are not too different from my own. And he talks about how what he really, like, grasped when he was in India were the people and how happy they were, no, no matter what situation that they were in, perhaps a little less fortunate by Western standards. Then after that, proceeds to go on and describe much of the country as a shithole. Uh, apologies for the language, um, but... <laughs> Somehow saying you're S quoting. asterisk asterisk That's, asterisk hole. But you're just quoting. Not you're quoting him. Up. You're not making exactly. this up. So, <laughs> by the way, there's so, a uh, podcast or a interview series about this journey. Ah, we'll post a link okay. to it. Needless to say, it kind of bothers a little bit when I see this. I mean, yay, elevating travel and adventure and motorcycling and a cool celebrity from the UK and mm-hmm. you know it's it's great. But to sit there and say that. The country just impressed you beyond anything because of its people and the fact that its people are, mm-hmm. are happy. And then to go and call the country a shithole is like mm. uh, definitely not impressed with that. I will reserve any further judgment until I actually watch this guy in India documentary. But if the quotes are in context, um, totally not impressed. Which is kind of a segue into. What I'm doing, since I kind of went on this kind of rant about India, segue into the review of the Bolt C-Spec, which is the Cafe Spec. So the Star Bolt motorcycle, which was pretty popular last uh, last year, oh. year two years back, mm-hmm. and had quite a few uh, popular builders across the country building different modified versions of the Bolt for when they introduced it at IMS. So if you're lucky enough to see the Bolts on tour, as well as I think it was the very first uh, AIM Expo, um, they were also on tour at AIM Expo. So if you happen to see that, you're familiar. They have now taken the standard Bolt and tweaked with some of the suspension and some of the aesthetics and um, a few more things, which I will find out on Tuesday, and turned out their own cafe version. So... Uh, I will be at Yamaha on Tuesday to ride that and review it for both about motorcycle online as well as motorcycle rides and culture. So more on that in the next podcast. But as part of that, I needed to redress my wardrobe uh, because... There's only so much you can do with textile and some of my bulky CD uh, Adventure Cortex boots and kind of my off-road stuff. So it was it was told to me, you need to casual your wardrobe a little bit, get some variety. So I visited Alpine Stars last week, visited their offices, and was able to take away a pair of denims and the Vika leather jacket, which Joanne has worn in the past. What did you do about your feet? I will probably be hiding my CD fusion lays underneath the jeans. Well, why don't you wear the other Dainese boots? What's wrong with those? They're more casual. Long gone. Oh. I sold them a while ago. Oh. It was, I I sent them over to Yellow Devil a year ago. Why? 
Oh. Like, actually, before, like, March, like, of, yeah, like, over a year ago. Oh. And completely forgot about him until I realized I need, needed something that was different. No, I, totally. And then went back and was like, hey, do you still have those? She's like, oh, yeah, that's right, they sold. No. It's not a boot that I would ever wear, which mm-hmm. is why I got rid of it in the first place. So, for me, yeah. unless it's something that I can get use out of, and honestly, where with true. like a good conscience, yeah, there's no point in me I'm maintaining them. Right and, with and, you, <laughs> totally yeah. With you. And so, the that particular yeah. Donese boot was very similar to the uh, Cortec Tourmaster boots that I first bought when I traveled in South America. Mm-hmm. And after I got the CD Fusion Lays with uh, definitely more protection as far as the ankle and the and the foot and the mm-hmm. toe and are concerned i just it it was really difficult for me to go back like that pair of boots were probably worn like five times and then i got the cds and it's like oh my it's like it's like i ate the apple and suddenly i saw the light (laughs) i'm like i can't go back to these boots ever yeah yeah so uh when they asked me to change up my footwear i really really did try but man it is so hard once you get that kind of ankle protection yep. to walk away from that mm-hmm. and to lessen it. So Yeah, I'm there with you. So by the time this podcast airs, it'll be too late for any of the people who will object to my footwear <laughs> to jump in on and weigh in on this. But yeah, I just I couldn't It's at the bottom. No one will notice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the Fortunately for me, the the denim is a little bit long. The jeans are a little bit long, so I don't need to worry about, you know, them coming up and exposing a lot of the ankle. Yeah. Hey, you know what we need to, we can talk about uh, briefly is, did you see this article about the French women who are riding in the Himalayas on Mm -hmm. cafe style bikes? Um, (laughs) My friend posted it. Well, one of, on my girlfriend's Facebook feed, her friend posted it as the the link to the story and she's like oh this is so cool i thought of you and when she posted it um i can't remember she said my friend said something like yeah that's cool and all but you know i i'm not a fan of the half helmets and the fake gear they're wearing (laughs) yeah it's just you know your typical cosplay motorcycle dress up and then riding around the mountains i i can't believe they actually made it through the mountains without having really great gear to do it I, you know more power to them it's pretty amazing i would never i could never go out in heels and ride in the dirt myself yeah didn't you pack a bikini when you went to india isn't that mm, no wasn't that part of the part of the plan do a photoshop on the top of the mountain you know let's just pull over here hold on let me change just put my mm-hmm. bikini on hang on a second oh wow it's a series oh this is awesome really I'm going to have to watch some of these. Unless, of course, they're really long. There are three episodes. Oh, okay. Okay, they stopped looking super fashionable at some point in a dirty dirty rock hut. How are you going to stay fashionable while you're riding in the Himalayas? I mean, that's really hard. That's like really hard riding. That's some serious adventure riding. Right? I mean, that's not just smooth, paved, easy roads. Like that's some challenging writing. I'm I'm guessing along the lines of what you were up against, on, in the mountains, right? Um, I was I've hiked in the mountains, but I haven't. Uh, 
I mean, the kind of writing you did in Nepal and India, I'm guessing, is flat. Is, is flat. Mostly but flat. I was in the valleys, not the mountains. Weren't you up in the mountains at some point? Uh, I did a, Short. a little mountain where uh, we were exiting, and it was really pretty, but okay. I wouldn't by any means say that it was a Himalaya epic, like, big Got old it. mountain. It's kind of like getting to the top of Mount Tam or something. And you can see a little valley below. Yeah, those crazy Parisian ladies uh, will show you a teaser of the uh, of the ride, which they also are releasing three episodes. And they have already released two episodes, probably the next one in the next couple of weeks. So Joanne and I will take a look at these as well as you can off of our website. And we will continue our chatter uh, next episode 61 on what we see, whether or not there's enough time to take a powder break on the side of the road and pose for pictures and bust out that bikini. So on the other end of the spectrum, we're going to post a link to um, the story about my coworker, Kate. And she's she rides a BMW. I can't remember what size. Oh, she rides a um, F700 GS. She's, she'd only been riding for three years. Wow. Um, and um, she decided to ride back and forth across the country. She got really muddy, it looks like, in 30 days. So she did uh, coast to coast in a month. Uh, I remember, because I think I emailed with her when she was choosing what outfit to buy and what jacket she wanted to um, wear for this journey and you know what other things she may need. And I think Revzilla sponsored her, so to speak, a little bit. Um, but it's a, So really co-worker cool at Revzilla? Yes. So when, oh. she, when she did this, she wasn't. She, you know, she did the ride. She was a customer, gotcha. did this iron butt thing. And then when she came back between that point and then it was like two months, a month ago, she was, I think she started with us like a month ago and she's our awesome. IT support administrator. So cool. yeah, now she does all the IT and system support at Ramzilla. Um, yeah. And she rides GS and, uh, yeah, there's some really cool photos here of her riding in the mud and the rain. And... Oh, whoa. She went up yeah. to Alaska. Good on her. Yeah. So she didn't just go coast to coast. She went more than continental. Yeah. She went all up and down everywhere. She, uh, looks like she, well, oh, she sorry, went... more than the lower, what, 48. Yep. Sorry. Continental might be a little misrepresented. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> so she's, you know, kind of on the opposite end. She's got, you know, the kind of the bike you would ride and that kind of, you know, that kind of adventure. And she has the gear and just, just a different, different way to approach, you know, riding. Ooh, and in Canada. Oh, she did not know. just like go from New York to LA and back. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. And um, I like her already. Yeah. So just another perspective on how to travel. A little different way to do things. It's like a cute photo of her. At uh, the Arctic Circle and the, the Revzilla banner. That's cool. I think she did a... Yeah, she actually so she posted her story on, on Common Tread, which is the Revzilla blog um, as well. Or the writing community blog. And then it's here on Writer Magazine. So check that out when you get a chance. Um, definitely a lot to be said when you just have started writing. And All right, let's do an iron butt. <laughs> let's go to Alaska. Solo. Hey, that's my kind of girl, man. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And she had a comfy bike to do it on. Mm hmm Very much. Yeah. Looks like she had a little bit of company in Alaska. 
but uh looks like for the most part she was she was solo so yeah i wouldn't want to do the dalton by myself even now i like being alone and i'd probably do it you know if i had the opportunity mm -hmm. i know i've talked with a couple of people on on plugging through alaska at some point to mm -hmm. kind of connect part of the mm -hmm. alaska to patagonia yeah so i've done some of the south america not the lowest part Mm -hmm. and not central and not Alaska and, and across uh, the states. So eventually I'll kind of slowly connect to those points. But there's just something about like, I don't know, how many bear are running around the Dalton Highway? Like, is that... I don't know. <laughs> I would definitely want to have a responder or something with me. <laughs> a spot tracker to, like, or something. To track me in the event, yeah. you know, some critter. Because, yeah. you know, you see all these videos where, mm -hmm. you know, Rams are chasing bikes and mm -hmm. moose are chasing hikers and yeah, yeah it's some tells me that that would probably be the the last story I tell unless I come prepared. We should plan like a, a week or something of like riding. We can meet in the middle of the country or like halfway to Canada or something and ride some mountains or something. Yeah, you'd be cheating if you went to Canada and I met you there. <laughs> well, there's the rest of Canada. There's yeah. the west side. That's true. It is the, it is the span of the United States, east to west. That's you know, true. Somewhere in the middle over there. I do want to get up to Canada at some point. It's a trip I want to take. but Yeah, I've seen some pretty nice photos. Definitely during the summer, though. <laughs> yeah, during the summer. Still yet to Something plan. about converting the BMW's tires to ice, to ice riding, in to June? continue my journey across the Yukon. Oh. <laughs> I would hope in the summer it would at least be like fall temperatures and not, you know, not still freezing, right? Yeah, you would think. Yeah. No, I think it would be much better. Definitely summer ride. All right, get on that. Shut. Should meet up someplace. Yeah. Like, Meet halfway? How long does it take to, to ride to the middle of the country? How long does that take? Say on a normal motorcycle, how long would it take to ride to the center of the country? If you ride conservatively, not like a thousand miles a day, but like 300. Say you do 3 to 350. Oh, 300 a day. miles a day, that's so short. 3 to 350. That's why I Me going to San Francisco, I know. Um, yeah, good question. If like, I had Google Earth up, we could totally figure that like out. Like four days? Is that something you can could you do that in like four days maybe? I don't think on 300 miles a day it would be four days. You have to be like 400, like four to 450, to get there and to get to the middle in three to four days. Probably like a whole week for that. Oh. All right. We'll oh, okay. That. Never mind. I think I kind of confused this a little bit. Um, Terry Hirschner, nicknamed Electric Terry, oh. was on a zero motorcycle S ZF9, huh. which was outfitted by our good buddy Craig Vetter with a streamlined oh. fairing. Oh. And he was the first person to cross the United States on an electric motorcycle in 2013. And in 2014, it was the first ever electric motorcycle to go 1,000 miles in 24 hours. So they tricked that sucker out somehow. Or maybe, well, no, you would literally have to stop if you had to charge an electric bike. It isn't like, you know, keeping it running and fueling it. So, let's see. I'm trying to figure out how many days he did. Oh, no, he did use charge stations. Never mind. Using only charge point charging stations. All hmm. right. Well, hopefully it was a quick charge. That would make me crazy. 
Yeah, that's what I would think. The trip from San Diego, California, in June of 2013 to Jacksonville, Florida, took five days. Hmm. So there you go. He was probably hustling. So I'm thinking three or four days Hmm. to maybe four days with 300 a day. Hmm. So that'd be like a week and a half off work. I could probably do that. I could totally do that. I'll work on it. Carve out some vacation time. Yeah. Yeah, make it happen. Because I was supposed to do, or I really want to do, Sturgis this year. Really? But there aren't going to be any press launches that I'm aware of in Sturgis. Hmm. Which makes me sad, because that was really the only way I was going to be able to get in, considering the just ridiculous cost of boarding up there as it Hmm. stands being the 75th anniversary. Hmm. So I was hoping a three day press launch would take some of the burden off of that. And then I would just crash with existing people that were already there, but um, Hmm. it's not looking good. Bummer. You won't be able to go to Sturgis. So I do have a hole in my schedule as far as wanting to fill it with something fun. When is Sturgis? July? August? August. Oh, it's hot. Maybe second week of August. I'm going to have to figure out, like, what is the appropriate summer vacation time for me. I need to talk to my supervisor and see what he recommends. Because our, I mean, basically June, July, August is busy. So it has to be strategic. I have to pick a date that there can be coverage. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, because if everyone's on vacation, yeah, uh, I'll figure it out. Should we talk about some uh, upcoming spring here oh yeah so uh yesterday was the official launch of revit spring line up until october basically however the stuff they launch for spring it's really fallish gear so um they released for women they've got two pants three four jackets um what you'll see though on the internet in terms of um, product is a retro inspired kind of Roland Sands design ish ladies leather jacket and then um, a multi season touring jacket like a three quarter length, you know, waterproof removable liner, traditional touring coat, and then which is actually really cool, and then a textile touring pant. So, some textile pants that are also waterproof, and then there's also some like gloves just some really light um mm-hmm. summer gloves nothing sadly nothing substantial really but there's a two-piece leather street outfit that is not and i'm going to send you this i'm going to email you this link um and i wish this outfit was going to be made available but the few things i am excited about first is the bellicor And that's the leather jacket and um, it's black and brown and it has that just classic uh, retro styling to it. I saw that. And here I'm going to send you a link. Here's the PDF with all the stuff. It's beautiful. Definitely reminds me of the Roland Sands Riot. I'm hoping it's a heavier weight leather and it's not as thin because a Roland Sands jacket to me feels like pleather. 
It's really, really mm. light. I think it's literally 0.8 millimeter. I, I, I think it's less than, it's definitely less than one. It's really light and it's not substantial for me for real riding. I, I don't see the weight of this lady's leather one, this retro one, but the retro ones do tend to be a lot lighter because they have to be stylish. And for anything to really be stylish, it has to be light, right? Nothing stylish and casual is heavy. So it, it's lightened up. Um, it is cowhide. So we'll see how that, how that goes. Um, there's a matching glove. It's just a short little city glove called the Antibes and Tibbies, and it's black and brown. Nothing terribly exciting. It's just a simple short leather glove. Um, on the oh, twin yeah. side... The Allure Evo. That's kind of nice. Yeah, so the other leather outfit that you're not going to see, and I have a feeling they're not really bringing it into the U.S. because I don't see any of our competitors posting it either, and I only see it in on European um, motorcycle gear sites. and that's The, the Merrill. The Merrill Evo and the Allure Evo, but it's I don't see it anywhere. I Googled for it, and I have a feeling that it's not actually going to come in to the U.S., even though when I messaged with their media person, they said they were. So it might be selective, like some comp some dealers can bring it in if they want to, yeah. but they're not, I don't see it anywhere. Um, and the Allure and Merrill are just new versions of the older Allure and Merrill, and they're really a straightforward black leather two-piece outfit. Um, and really for any street riding, regardless of bike, whether it's a sport bike, a cafe, a standard, a cruiser, it doesn't matter. The the fit on them and the aesthetics, I think, are just really neutral. Tomorrow, I should have a blog post up with brief descriptions and photos of all these um, and just a couple of comments about each one. Sweet. And we'll link to that on our uh, uh, on our show notes on the site. And then the other outfit that is available and, of course, is you can actually buy is the Monroe textile jacket and the Factor 3 textile trousers. So that's a nice two-piece um, semi-all-season all or year round outfit not particularly great for extreme summer riding so this would be a fall and spring and winter suit and then you have a separate outfit for when it's really hot that's when you're going to bring out your mesh or your um, gear two hybrid leather pants um, or or like a, a two-piece mesh like the airwave or a tornado but, the, huh. but without the, without actually going away from their typical like design the factor three textile totally is a competitive uh pant for the drakes oh uh, yeah they the drake airs i bet probably i mean the fit on them will be it should be really good i haven't seen these pants though in a long time because they had a factor pant like six years oh, ago yeah? yeah they haven't had that's why it's the three it's the third version of them oh, they had them gotcha. a long time ago um but well, Merrill too. Yeah, but I don't, I don't, I haven't seen the Merrill or the Allure, so I'm really sad about those. But if you're looking for a nice multi-season, or if you're in California and you need an all uh, one outfit, the I bet the Monroe and Factor will work for you pretty much year-round, um, unless you ride in, like I said, extremely hot weather. So um, definitely ones to check out. I hope the Merrill and Allure show up at some point, but. Um, We'll see. They they certainly do have the Gear 2 pants, and those are my favorite. It's what I wear every day. 
It looks so like available. it's Factor 3, Gear 2, mm-hmm. and then Merrill Evo in terms of going from textile and adding more and more leather. Like the Merrill looks like it has the most mm-hmm. leather coverage, but it's similar to the Gear 2. It is. It's very similar. Um, Tell you that color on the Monroe. Oh, God. No, the brown. Whoa. Oh, no, it's olive green. My bad. It looks better in person. The Does color, it? Yeah, the color is actually more green than brown. Okay. Like, I this like is it. like a terrible color on their no, PDF. It, yeah, it looks better in person. It has more of a military olive kind of color, okay. not a brown drab. But Phew. it's available in silver and then black and silver. Yeah. I see those other colorways are kind of nice. I don't know about the black and silver one, but mm. the um, silver and black one reminds me a lot of the Levante. And I liked that colorway. Yeah, and they still have the indigo, which is a very similar coat to the Monroe, but you can take the waterproof liner out of the indigo and you can't take it out of this one. So this is going to be a much warmer coat, I think. And and also the fact that the outside will um, be waterproof. So that way you're not soaking through as much as with the removable liner. So it's just a different setup. Um, the price point, I think, well, it's on Revzilla, so I think the price point's like 380 or something like that for the textile jacket, and the pants are like 280 less than $300. Um, as you may or may not know, of course, Revit offers standard, short, and long lengths in almost all of their pants for men and women. There are a couple exceptions where they don't do lengths, but luckily on these, they are. So... Yeah, the Monroe, FYI, three hundred dollars, mm-hmm. and the Factor nice. Three pant, two thirty. Yeah, it's great. So for five hundred bucks, you have just a really great two-piece touring outfit. And um, my contention is is that Revit has always been the best at making women's pants. And yeah, I, even better than the Drakes, simply because there's hip armor. There's no hip armor in, in the Drake, and there's no hip armor really in any of their jeans. I don't know why they withhold hip armor, given the fact that they now make really light armor called Pro Shape that's really thin and strong. So there's no excuse anymore, Dionese, to withhold protection from your ladies' pants. Um, that's the only thing that really bothers me about their pants, and I, I don't wear mine anymore because I need hip protection. So I, I like that Revit offers all the protection you need, um, and the fit is is better because it fits more women. I can fit people from a size two all the way up to a curvy 14 um, and sometimes 16 in a rabbit pant and you can't really do that as well in in Dionese so I I like the personally I like the fit on rabbit pants better Um, every time I post a picture of me or my friends wearing our rabbit pants there's always a comment where did you get those pants and Mm -hmm. um, sadly we're always I'm always wearing old ones that (laughs) They, yeah, you know, they keep getting rid of them, but the Dainese cuts slimmer to the leg and Revit is maybe a little fuller in the leg. It's, and then it's fuller the, below the knee, not at yeah, the, yeah, not, yeah, not the whole leg, but the knee. But the Revit fit, the main difference is it's curvy. So if yeah. you have a lot of hips or you have a lot of booty and you need that curvy cut, Revit's better, hands down. Yeah. It reminds me of trying to fit in my Dainese leathers. I wonder if that will ever happen again. <laughs> I haven't done that in a while. You're going to have to wear them for um, like a week straight probably before yeah, you can. Yeah, I, I was going to say uh, we we chatted a little bit earlier about the, the jeans I got from Alpine Stars, but the carry are actually mm-hmm. uh, a little bit fuller in the leg as well, I noticed. Those are the probably the curviest 
riding jeans next to the Draco ladies riding jeans. But the problem with the Dracos is there's no body armor at all and there's no pockets. I understand yeah, reason- not giving them armor, mm-hmm. but no pockets. That's just yeah. The reason uh, I was reminded of that was because you had said no hip pockets, uh, hip armor, and and the carry jeans do have hip armor. Yes, they offer you both. They they actually give you both, but yeah. Dracos give you nothing. Dracos just they just give you the Kevlar jean part, so you have to wear your own body yeah. armor. That's why I'm not a fan. But um, yeah, Fitwise carries are nice. They fit me. I actually really like the fit on them. I'm just too I'm just too particular about aesthetics. I don't. I, well, I prefer I prefer wearing my leather, so it's also part yeah. of that too. But um, they're a nice jeans. And then they're and nice. then Dainese also has uh, has some new new offerings, uh, most of which were for women in the denim department. Now I went to the D store in Costa Mesa just to get an idea on fit. Um, sadly, these jeans are not necessarily in the U.S. yet, so I would have needed a little more lead time in order to order them for this particular shoot but um they're based off any to try on at all the new ones no Mm -hmm. but they're based off of an existing gene that dinesi already made that had some kevlar to it but just none of the jeans had any protection any armor it was almost just a slightly elevated version of your regular denim off the rack and so the i noticed like the kateville belleville like Mm -hmm. similar names yep so I can assume more or less that uh, it'll more, sticks to the the cut. So mm. I'm probably going to be like a 29 or a 30. But when those pop in, I'll I'll check it out. But for sure, some of those cuts, like the the Belleville and and there... some of the Dinese cuts, there are some that are going to be a little bit more uh, wide in the leg and less snug. And then there is the the Belleville and I think the Kateville that are going to be far more narrow in the leg. So. There, one is like a true. Well, they in the name of the pant, um, like the Belleville is the slim, slim, and the yeah. Kateville is actually the, um, the skinny, and um, I can't remember which one. One is really stretchy, like really, really, mm-hmm. really, really, really stretchy, and the other one is just really, really, really skinny. I think it's the Kateville that's, um, stretchy. there's a Jessville too, uh, or maybe it's that one, but um. Oh yeah, a, the just fill is the one that's a true skinny jean, and uh, I think it's stretchy, like super stretchy. And then the Belleville ones are a slim leg, so they're not as skinny, but they run really, really small. We'll have yeah. them in soon, right. and I'm gonna try them on. But we got like two sizes into our warehouse, and my coworker, who is a tiny, she's a tiny little thing, and she tried on like a 25 or something. 26 or something like yeah that is tiny she's really tiny but she has trouble finding pants that fit and actually these fit her so if you're really small they actually mm-hmm. the sizing actually is is going to be there but yeah we'll have them in and i'm going to try them on as soon as we cool. get them in too but the nice thing is with the more expensive one which is the belleville um i believe that one has big pockets inside so you can buy their knee armor for like i don't know 50 bucks and put them in so at least there's that option. And then there are, I think one of the models doesn't have any. So, Yeah, I think that was the, the primary change is that they're adding pockets and adding armor. Yeah, so some of, they just don't, um, one doesn't come with and then one does. So it depends what model. However, now's a good time, though, to buy 
their jeans on sale because the old versions are only 160 and Sure, but bucks. the old versions don't have pockets. Uh, the D19Ks do. Ah, so, okay. um, and actually yeah. the, the California, California 4Ks have knee armor, but no hip. Not, none of them have hip. So that's also why I don't wear any of the Dinesia jeans. I need both. Um, but at least with the D19Ks, there's pockets for big knee guards. You could sew in pockets too. Like, I think um, any good seamstress can sew a pocket for you and just put one in. And that way, and then at least you can add some of your own armor to your riding pants mm-hmm. or jeans. So that's always an option too. Just yeah. So at least they're going from last year to this year, mm-hmm. just as an FYI. You know, there might be sales, but this year's. Dynasty denim models are going to have more pockets and, and armor. So you might want to hold out and just wait until those come into stores probably in like the next month or two. They're actually blue too because their all their current jeans are black. You're actually going to be able to have a blue color denim now versus a black denim. So that should be actually a couple different colors. Like the Kateville is a dark and a light, so they're actually offering some different washes and not just everything black. That should be interesting. Huh. Hmm. Yeah, it's like a light and a medium. Hmm. Oh, we have them. Hey, look at that. We have uh we have Kateville's ready to ship within twenty four hours. Hmm. Yeah, all of them, uh, just between the last time that we talked a couple weeks ago and now, they've taken the 2015 off the banner on the website. So all of them look to be order ready. Yeah, almost all. But like on the Kateville, it looks like the light ones are still in Italy and we have the dark ones. So I'm sure we've picked certain colors and sizes that we want to have. But uh looks like Rapazilla has a few available for you. So looking for jeans there's some options for you as well and then the only other couple stories i had were some sales reports i think i sent you a link i just skyped you a link to those um bmw and ducati are reporting more sales in the u.s than last year and then apparently ducati um Ducati says that US, the U.S. is their biggest market. So they've sold the most bikes to us uh, versus the rest of the world. But it looks like more people are buying motorcycles. So That's, that's a, always good. It's a good thing. It's always good. It's a good sign when people are spending extra money on things they don't really need, like motorcycles. I mean, you know, no one really needs a motorcycle, per se. But... It's nice when uh, our economy is doing better. So unless you're using it as a commuter option, well, unless you don't have any other any other mode of transportation, then totally you need one. But um, I'd say the majority of folks in the U.S. they don't need them in that way, and people are out riding bikes and scooters, and that's pretty cool. So as far as BMW, they also had a record year, but the U.S. is not their number one market. Uh, let's see. The United States is in second with 15,300 BMWs sold, 1,201 more than the previous year. Germany is their most successful market. That makes sense. Um, 
And then number two is the U.S., three is France, four is Italy, and then five is Brazil. Um, so everybody's doing well, looks like, and selling bikes, so it's pretty cool. And the scooter seems to be doing well. The electric scooter, the electric maxi scooter. Do we have that here? The 550 BMW C Evolution. I don't know that we have There that. is a big scooter here. But not electric. Hmm. I don't think True. we have that here. I want to say that's something international. We have that C, um, what's it, C600? It's like just a fuel, you know, straight 650 scooter. But they also have an electric one called the 550 BMW C Evolution. And, um, or sorry, the BMW C Evolution. They sold almost 550 units since last May. Wow, it's an electric maxi scooter. See if that actually comes out here. Um, and the R9T, it looks like, did really well for them. So that's cool. Keep buying, keep riding motorcycles, everybody. That's all I have for stories and news. All I, got. I think that's about me as well. I think that about wraps episode 60. So we will circle back with you on the 15th-ish or so. Should be the 15th. Um, we'll post again those videos so you can check those out. So we'll definitely talk about those when we come back. In the meantime, um, I'm going to celebrate my one year work anniversary this week. Thursday's my my uh, one year working at Revzilla. Woohoo! So do that. Yes. And um, we'll see you back in a couple weeks. As always, find us at motorific.com. You can write on our wall and send us messages at facebook.com slash podcast, or of course, uh, find any one of us on our social media channels on Twitter and Facebook. Um, and we'll definitely talk to you then. 